And um, as you know, we've been in this series called the Enneagram, which if you've been uh, following us, you know that it just means a circle inscribed by nine points, which gives us nine different personality styles, and they are the reflection of God when we're healthy. When people are healthy, we actually see God in them. And Shauna, I want to say thank you for that beautiful communion liturgy that you wrote and guided us in. It was awesome. And you may not know, Shauna is a seven. And so that beautiful prayer, humble me in the presence of reality. And all of those prayers were written by Shauna. The only thing is we had to cut it down by about six pages (laughs) because she, she had so many prayers and quotes and things, you know, like a good seven, just there's gotta be variety. So who's a seven in here? Give me a big shout out. Come on. These are the people. These are the people today that we're celebrating. And when we look at the seven, the joyful person, we realize that the Enneagram can be a tool for transformation for them and a way for them to bring the good news. Because if they're looking like Jesus, who wouldn't want to know Jesus? Amen? Amen. Great scripture in Colossians 3. So you might want to read it with me. If you have been been raised raised with Christ, Christ, seek seek the the things things that that are are above above where Christ Christ is, is, seated at at the right right hand of God. Set your your minds on the things that are above, not on the things on the earth. For you have died, and your your life life is hidden in Christ Christ. with God. So I know you're alive, but you have let go of your old life. Mm -hmm. Amen? Mm -hmm. You have awakened to new life. When Christ, come on, who is your life life is is revealed, revealed, then then you also will be revealed with with him him in glory. glory. Who remembers what glory means? Image. So you're actually, the image that you bring to the world is going to look like the image of God. Mm -hmm. Put to death, therefore, Therefore, whatever whatever in you is earthly, earthly, fornication, fornication, impurity, impurity, passion, passion, evil desire, desire, and greed, which which is is idolatry, idolatry, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie lie to one another. Seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices. Who wants to shout hallelujah about that? Yes. Like there are some old practices that just no longer belong. Right? Yes. Am I right? Yes. All right. Yes. And you've clothed yourselves with what? The new self. Which is the true self. Yeah, you know, I'm going to stop a minute. The true self. The image of God's self, the Christ in you self, made in God's image self, which is being Being renewed renewed in in knowledge according according to the the image image of of its its creator. So, friends, we are on the journey. And many of us, we know where God has renewed us. (laughs) And we know where we still have some stinking thinking. Anybody got some stinking thinking out there? There's some ways that your mind needs to be renewed. Amen? Okay, so here's what Father Rohr says. He says, stinking thinking thinking. is the universal addiction. Substance addictions like alcohol and drugs are merely the most visible form of addiction, but actually we are all addicted to our own habitual way of thinking, feeling, we added, and doing. These attachments are at first hidden to us. And can you read that last red line with me? We We cannot cannot heal what what we we do do not first acknowledge. acknowledge. Hmm. So just breathe that in for a minute. I thought that was just like some supernatural, like just proof. Yeah, (laughs) we cannot heal what we do not first acknowledge. Jesus would say to people, what do you want me to do for you? Mm -hmm. He wanted people to name it. Remember when people had demons, he'd say, tell me your name. 
There's something about the power of you naming what's going on in here that gives God the ability to start to do things that are only God's to do. What is ours to do is to name it. What is God's to do is to heal it. Yeah? Everybody say good news. It's good news. Yeah. And so what does it mean to image God, to glorify God? Well, Dallas Willard would say to glorify God is to live in such a way that when people look at you, they say, come on, say it with me. What a good God God must be to have thought of a person like that. Now, I know you know somebody that you feel that way about. What a good God God must be to have thought about a person like that that. Yes. For sure. Like God's best idea ever was you, sweetheart. <laughs> and, and I thank God every day. Is this being recorded yes. somewhere? You can play it back every night <laughs> after I've made all my mistakes. So we talk about that new self, the renewed self, the true image, the imago day made in God's image. It is your essence. It's not acquired. You didn't do anything to get it. God did it in you. And you want to say thanks be to God? Thanks be to God. God made you in God's image. And then here's the challenge. The false self or the automatic self is a combination of nature, nurture, and free will. And it's what our parents did to us, and it's what we've done to us, and the things that end up just being personality. Not that personality is wrong. It's not. Of course not. We all need a personality. Thank God for a personality, right? And God likes you too. So not everything about your false self is bad. Can you say that? It's not all bad. But here's the reality. It's a prop. When my dad was dying in his last days at 93 years old, my dad had no ego structures, no props, no pretending, no trying to impress me. He was just this sweet essence of the person that he was made in God's image. And I have to tell you, I thought I loved my dad my whole life. I loved him even more at the end as he was letting go of all the ego structure, all the props. Couldn't talk about politics anymore, but he could look you in the eye and say, I love you. You are loved. And friends, if we do the good work of bringing ourselves to God and naming what's going on, God can heal us from all the stuff that we put up as props So that when we're dying, we actually are our truest self and not crankier and worse than at the first. Don't you want that? Mm -hmm. Do you want to be the crabby one or the sweet one at your end, right? And so it's about doing this good work. And we just say, check out the podcast if you want to follow all the way up until now, Enneagram and Christianity. But today, can everybody say joy? Joy. Yeah, you give me joy. Come on, Jeff. (laughs) Down deep in my soul. Down deep in my soul. Down deep in my soul. Right? And so when we think about the fact that these joyful people show us the joy of God, I want you to meet my friend Victory. Can you all say victory? Victory. Woo! Okay, now... What you need to know is that her parents were so smart to give a seven the name Victory, like right out of the chute. Like, how could they have known you were going to be a seven? My parents actually did not name me. My sister named me. Your sister named you? She took one look at you you and said... She didn't even look at me. She didn't even know I was in there. She was just guessing. Yeah. Everybody say victory. Victory. Come on. All right, and Victory is going to read to us the description of the book. And what you need to know about Victory is she didn't know her Enneagram type until she came here uh, just at the beginning of the series and discovered she was a seven. And she bought the book, and she's like, 
oh my gosh, this is so me. So read it in your best seven gorgeous, victorious <laughs> self. Joy is a prayer. Joy is strength. Joy is love. Joy is a net of love by which you can catch souls. Turn it up, Matthew. Mother <laughs> Teresa. I view life as an adventure. I want to be on the go experiencing new and exciting things. I constantly think of the next trip, the next idea, or the next opportunity. People say, <laughs> people say I am the life of the party. Is it true? Maybe. <laughs> I am enthusiastic and spontaneous and give myself wholeheartedly to what I enjoy. Conversely, if I find things boring and difficult, I will look for a way out. This is true. My imagination is a nonstop playground. This is also true. I love to connect ideas and information and envision something new. It's fun to get involved in projects at the beginning when things are fresh and the playing field wide open. When painful or hard things happen, I try to change the channel by distracting myself and thinking of other things. I avoid pain. I am optimistic. And I am counting on living a fun and enjoyable life. So who wants to go to lunch with victory? Come on. <laughs> so, so these joyful so people. Yes. So true. So sevens, the joyful, adventurous, optimistic person. What a great, what a great type to be, right? Sounds like I all of us want to be that type. I wanted that. to trade up to be a seven. When I read that, I thought, you know, I could avoid, I'd like to avoid yeah. some pain. Yeah. So as we all know, all of these types show up in all of us at a certain extent. And some of us want a little bit more seven showing up in us, but some of us, this is what's in the driver's seat. This is where we start our journey. When we wake up in the morning, this is where we start from the seven joyful, optimistic person. Jesus was, as we've said throughout the whole series, was the example, the ultimate example of every type. In every, its best, exactly. right, in, the in its best healthy, form. true self, Jesus shows up as that. So when it comes to seven, well, we, we, we have gone through this series in every type. We've done one scriptural story of Jesus' life, but we decided for the sevens, that wouldn't be enough. So we're going to do seven different statements and activities and adventures from Jesus for a thriving Enneagram seven. So they have a variety. So they can, if any of this is boring to them, they can say, I'm just not going to pay attention to that, right? So the first statement is finish what you start. One of the things that can be a challenge for a seven is the, the issue of completion. Jesus says it this way, and whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For some sevens, the answer when they're not healthy would be no. I don't care if I can complete it. I just want to get it started. But anyway, uh, for... For you lay the foundation, and if you're not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. Wow. And you heard that in Shauna's liturgy, didn't you? Saying yeah. that I won't live into the fullness unless I live with less. That's a big journey, isn't it, Shauna? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and obviously, these statements are going to be true for all of us, 
not just the sevens. Uh, Statement number two, situation number two is bring the joy. These are our joy givers, right? They bring the good news. Jesus said it this way, take nothing for your journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. For a lot of us, we hear that. It's like, oh man, that's horrible. For a seven, this could be like, this sounds like a great adventure. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people don't welcome you, leave their town and shake dust off their feet. Said the travel agent. (laughs) (laughs) Another one of our sevens. That's right. So uh, as a testimony against them, so they set out and went from village to village proclaiming the good news. Everyone say good news. The good news is bringing the joy, right? Good advice is when the bank tells you they've got a great rate on your new car. Good news is when somebody gives you a new car. So sevens were encouraged to bring the joy, bring healing to people everywhere. Statement number three, avoid being distracted. One of the great challenges with this uh, style of personality is there's so many amazing things to participate in. Sometimes you got to pay attention to being focused. In Luke 9.51, it's not on the board, it says this about Jesus. said, Jesus passionately determined to leave for Jerusalem and let nothing distract him from fulfilling his mission. Jesus was laser focused. And then he goes on and says, and as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. And he said to another man, follow me. But he replied, let me first go bury my father. Now what you need to understand is the father's not dead. He's just saying, I'm going to go hang out with my dad. I'll get back to you later, Jesus. Jesus says to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go proclaim the kingdom of God. And to another that said, I will follow you, Lord. But first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. In other words, we've all probably done this. Let me get back to you on that later, Jesus. And Jesus says, no one puts their hand to the plow and looks back, is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Don't let distractions lose the opportunity that we all have to live into the fullness God has for us. Statement four, embrace the necessity of pain. Now, not all pain is necessary and what is ours to embrace, but there is pain that is necessary for our journey. It it goes like this for Jesus. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the priests, the teachers of the law. And he must be killed after three days and rise again. He spoke plainly about this. And Peter, being an unhealthy seven in this moment, took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him like, No, Jesus, that's painful. But Jesus turned and looked at his disciple and he rebuked him. And he said, Get behind me, Satan. And he said, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Statement five, solitude and silence will keep you centered and sustained. There's a beautiful, there's these these occurrences in scriptures. I love to call them solitude and silence sandwiches. And this is the ultimate one. This is one of those great moments. So Jesus has just fed the 5,000. It's miraculous. It's like the Super Bowl has just been won. The disciples have to be saying, this was incredible what happens. And it says, and immediately after that, So the bread on one side is the feeding of the 5,000. Immediately after that, Jesus made the disciples get into a boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. No big celebration for Jesus. 
Because he, here's where the beef is in his sandwich. While he dismissed the crowd. And after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. The other side, the other piece of bread is Jesus is about to walk on the water. So he feeds 5,000, then he knows he needs solitude and silence to get centered and ready for the next miracle that's about to occur. The disciples are out on the boat freaking out while Jesus is in solitude and silence, but he gets there just on time, doesn't he? Number six, party with a purpose. Partying can be really good, but there needs to be a purpose, right? While Jesus was having dinner at wait, Matthew's wait, wait. house. Wait, we need to pause for just a minute yes. there. Yeah. So can we get an amen party with a purpose? Right? There's a whole lot of partying going on, but not all parties have a good purpose. That's right. And so party with a purpose. Let's say it together. Party Party with with a a purpose. purpose. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they asked him and his disciples, why does your teacher eat with these tax collectors and sinners? On other occasions, he's called a glutton. He's called a drunkard, right? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but sick people. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So if you never are with who is sick, how will they ever get well? You need to party with a purpose. And lastly, the last statement is go and live your kingdom adventure. Sevens are the adventurous type. In Matthew, it says this in in chapter 28. I love how Eugene Peterson puts it. Jesus, undeterred, went right ahead and gave his charge. God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life, marking them by baptism in the threefold name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you. I'll be with you as you do this day after day after day, right up till the end of the age. Let me just say this, and I want to just bring this part of our our conversation together with this thought. I want you, those of you that have been serving Christ, I want you to think about the adventure of your life in Christ, where you started the moment before you gave your life to Christ and where your life is now. And what an amazing adventure that's been, right? We all have these awesome stories of the adventure of living in Christ, of the adventure of living in God's kingdom and being a part of that plan. Yeah, and so when we see that the Son of Man has come eating and drinking, but you say, look, he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and sinners, we actually see the healthy Jesus, that there are a lot of people that might really have issues with gluttony and drunkenness, but that was not Jesus' issue. Jesus really was a person who could live in the fullness of life without becoming addicted. Can y'all say, yeah? Yes. Yeah. Jesus actually was able to move from suffering into a party and then to healing and then into solitude. He had this rhythm in his life. And so when we read great scriptures like, you know, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared, this day is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. 
So what we want to say is, you know, healthy sevens, actually, they can live in grief as well. Um, we have had friends that when they went through deep grief that were sevens and they were unable to stay with their pain, they were never able to enjoy life to the full. If they could not grieve with God, they were not going to be able to rejoice with God. So when you see the word this day, can you say this day? This day. Is sacred. Is sacred. It's sacred. That means you got to know what day it is. Mm, is it a grieving moment? Is it a joyful moment? Is it a, is it a moving on or is it a sitting with? Mm. See, healthy sevens, they show us that God is joy. They are optimistic, they're enthusiastic, they're multi-talented, they're multi-focused. They have this ability to be curious and get you to be curious. They have ways of uplifting and enlivening people. They actually are optimistic, they're adventurous, they're, they're epicures, they're enthusiasts, and, um, and they show us that God is joy. When we're working with them, um, what we need is for them to be sober. Can you all say sober? Sober. Yeah, and sobriety isn't always about um, alcohol. It's about can we let go of doing 10 things. You know, I, uh, I always laugh when we do our, our trainings, and we notice even people from across the country won't sign up for the training until like two weeks before if they're sevens. Because in case something better comes up, they're not coming. You know, and, and so I, we always laugh. We say, wait, you just got to hang on a minute. The sevens are going to come rolling in in a minute. <laughs> because they are the types, it's like possibilities, possibilities, possibilities. Which way should I go? There's so many options, right? And they've given us two words, YOLO and FOMO. <laughs> right? You only live once, and if you do it right, you only need once. <laughs> Right? Or FOMO, fear of missing out. So they don't want to ever say no because their core motivation is security and survival. And the negative fixation can be fear and anxiety. And they start to feel like, I don't have enough. I don't have enough. I have to have more. You know, I, I can't, I, I have to have more joy. I have to have more happiness. I have to have more experiences. And so they sometimes move and get what they want. Mm -hmm. So you notice that there are nine levels of health, right? Are, right? Everybody, are you remembering that? Yes. So even when I call Shauna and Scott and Derek and Abby to come up with us, you'll know that these guys and the people that we're about to put on the board all have a different level of health in their sevenness. Come on up, Abby, Derek, Shauna, Scott. Let's hear it for this group. Yeah. yeah. Here's our brave sevens. And here, here's something that I love. You know, not all sevens are created equal. You can sit right there, Shauna. Um, you know, not, they're not all created equal. Now, here's, here's what happened. So as soon as the first week happened, Abby sent me a note and said, hey, when you do the sevens, that was like nine weeks ago. I'm, I want to come up. Right? Everybody, let's hear it for Abby. <laughs> Abigail. <laughs> Okay. Oh, yeah, we got to have a mic in your hand. And then last week, I'm, I'm at the back, and Derek came up, and he, he brought the... He actually had the wings for our, um, our, our dear friend encased, and he might say something about that. Um, the wings uh, for Justin Van Armen, you know, our, uh, our pilot. Um, you'll probably give us the right term, right? Our fighter pilot, right? And so he had it in case, but he handed me the case in this beautiful, sober moment. And then he said, hey, if you need me next week to be on the seven panel. <laughs> now, see, he waited longer because there might have been something better that would have come up. I don't 
think Shauna ever even answered me. But she's here. But she's here. She's and, here. And she was willing to write. And then there's Scott. I knew I had to ask Scott three days beforehand. So I, I sent him a note and said, what do you think? And so let's hear it for our sevens. They're going yes. to give us a little bit of an understanding of, of what it's like to be them. Uh, you know what, Derek, do you mind if I start with you? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> so on a typical day, you know, you, you know that you're an Enneagram 7 and you were willing to sit up here. What's it like to be a seven in Derek's well, suddenly view? It's, it's kind of regretful now. I don't. Big groups are not always my strong suit. But, yeah. But I do. I do like to have fun all the time. All I mean, the time. At work, at home, at work, I'm. I joke around a lot. At work, I pick on people nicely. <laughs> <laughs> Usually, I'm an electrician, so I. You know, Scott can probably relate. Uh huh. Actually, both Scotts. That works because. In the trades, you pick on people. You know, it, wow, it's electric up here yeah, right now, it is, isn't it? it is. But uh, no, it's fun. I, I definitely agree with if something gets boring, you want to move on because you know certain jobs that you're doing or certain things at home, they just they aren't fun. Yeah, They're just not. So you always want to do something fun. Yeah. I mean, what's the point if you can't have fun? <laughs> right. I mean, what's the point if you can't yeah. have fun? So I mean, I I can't always say I'm that fun, but definitely the life of the party. I've been called that a lot. And when he we're knows together, he's yeah. the life of the party. And when we're at a party together, we're dangerous. Are you really? Yes. Seriously? They can attest to that because, yeah. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah. We're going to yeah. tell a little bit more of that story. So, yeah. Abigail, tell us about the seven life for you. Um, I, I mean, my mom, from the moment she did the Enneagram, and I didn't do it yet, she's like, Abby, you're a seven. Like, I already know you're straight up seven. Um, <laughs> straight up. Yes. Yesterday we were talking, and she was saying how when I was little, she'd say, what's your favorite color? And I'd be like, pink, yellow, green, blue, black, brown. Like, and she'd be like, no, what's your favorite? And I was like, I don't want to pick one. I want them all. And she was like, okay, there you go. You can have them all. Um, I'm a very emotional seven. That's why I have tissues. Uh -huh. I probably cry three to five times a day, happy tears, because anything makes me happy. Anything can bring joy to me. And watching other people that are joyful, it, I'm <laughs> going to cry now. It's um, just seeing that there's joy in the world still with everything else that's going on. It just... <laughs> It, yeah, yeah. It just makes you feel good. It makes you realize that other people are still feeling joy, and I love when people get to feel how I feel because I'm 100% always happy, always hyper, always ready to roll. <laughs> My husband is a five, so we butt heads a lot. <laughs> oh, the quiet, yes, cerebral type. Yes, and uh -huh. I'm the one that's let's go, let's go do things, let's go be with people, and he's taught me a lot since we've been married, how to just be with myself, how to observe what is making me the joyful person. And that has helped me become a better mom and wife because I can just sit there and take everything in and say, wow, look, look at what makes me happy. Look at what's making me the joyful mom I am. I love that because when we did your premarital counseling at five and seven, you guys were such an awesome com combo, right? So we've got this moving away and chilling it out and then the moving in yeah. and setting it on fire. Yeah. But then the two of you, your yeah. sister is a one and your wife is a one because yes, you guys are in-laws. In and when our dear one, Chloe, talked about the two of you, how do you guys, like, doesn't she set you straight? She's the good person, the one. Come on, um, Derek, we want to hear. I feel like we gang up on her a lot. Like... <laughs> 
Uh-huh. We push her out of her comfort zone a lot. You make her play. Yes. And uh-huh. we'll make messes and we'll tell her it's fine. Let's just hang out. Like, leave it alone right now. And yeah. Yeah. We, but how's that working for you? You got 24-7, Derek. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it can be rough at times. And it's probably my fault. I mean, realistically. It is. You know, she wants for to clean sure. up. She's like... You know, if we're in the toy room, she's like, well, did you guys clean up? I'm like, yeah. And she's like, well, where did you put everything? I'm like, oh, just wherever it fit. And, <laughs> oh, that's not a good thing. But so I was so worried about coming up here. I redid my Enneagram test yeah. because it's been probably six years since we got married. And I, I did it. And I was like, what if I changed? Which I didn't, by the way, not even close. <laughs> and, but I did find out, which I didn't remember from the first time, is under a, str- a stressful situation, I'm a one. Uh-huh. Which... Uh-huh. I don't know if that's good or bad. Uh-huh. I think she likes it because then I'm very, like, I want to be perfect. If I'm under stress, I want everything just like she does. Uh-huh. But the problem is, like, at home, I'm not that way. Oh. So I'm kind of all over where she is, like, if I do it wrong, she lets me know, and I'll try to fix it. Isn't it funny that God but, gives us siblings and spouses that help us kind of find our way because yeah. you're not right She's not right. No, she's there is, right. Oh, she is right. <laughs> she's one. Good so, answer. Woo! Good answer. Man. Man, that marriage is going to yeah. last. Yeah, right, he's so, he's gonna, Derek's going to lead a marriage retreat after uh-huh, that one. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I, I wonder, um, Shauna, if you tell us what helps you let go of the always wanting variety, always wanting spontaneity, always... What has helped you be humbled in the presence of reality. That, that line you had to say over and over, humble me, God, in the presence of reality. How have you let go of all the spontaneity, all the multifaceted stuff on your best day? What is the practice you're using to be present with reality? Pausing. Oh, wow. Hey. Yeah. Pausing. Yeah. Um, and just taking a deep breath. Um, because if I'm focused on just taking a deep breath, I'm right here, I'm right now, and I can think about why am I trying to get into something else? Um, get into something else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like, do I need to? Like, is there a legitimate, you know, fear or something that I need to be getting away from? Is there something that's really draining the life out of me, or is it just me not wanting to deal with the process? Like, so what is this about? And when I'm able to, you know, just take a deep breath, I'm able to, you know, ask that question with God, like, what is this about? And like, to the point where sometimes my kids will say to me, like, mom, why are you upset? And I'm like, I'm not upset. Yes, you are. You're breathing. Because <laughs> I have to, you know. So just... when you're not breathing, <laughs> you're, breathing. you're in your automatic self. Oh. But when you're breathing. Yeah, I literally catch myself holding my breath when I'm in auto- automatic. And then I have to be like, wait a minute, you need to take a breath, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I was really proud of you when I asked you to chair uh, the International Enneagram Association Regional Conference next July, and you said, I think I need to say no to that, and you listed all the other things that were going to be butting up against July. I was like, Shauna, you are really in the, you're, you're showing me the image of God. You're letting go, and you're moving from healing going to different cities, doing the different things to solitude, silence, pausing, and breathing. So let's hear it for people on the transforming journey, right? Yeah. And, and Scott is one of, one of our heroes in this house um, with the work that he's done with Alcoholics Anonymous, which if you know anything about Alcoholics Anonymous, AA is one of the great gifts 
that America has given to spirituality. I don't know if you realize that. The way that Bill Wilson put the 12 steps down for people to come to transformation and find sobriety, because as uh, Richard Rohr said, we're all addicted. We're addicted to our habit of thinking, we're addicted to our habit of feeling, or we're addicted to our habit of doing. And until we actually sober up, and the first step, could you tell everybody what the first step is? I love step one and step four. They're, they might be my favorites, but I like all 12. Um, step one is admitting we were powerless over alcohol and that our lives have become unmanageable. Mm -hmm. And four? Um, take, it's um, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And part of that is even going to people to say how you've wounded your own life or their lives, right? Correct. There's a later step, uh, an immense step where we go and we try and make right, you know, the things that we've, we've damaged, you know, mm -hmm. the relationships that we've brought harm to. Mm -hmm. um, there's a way we can go back and, and mend fences um, so that we can live a joyous life. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, tell us, just tell us for a minute, what... What made you know that you wanted to let go? So if you know that the vice is gluttony for sevens, and um, not that all of us can't all do gluttony, but it's not about food necessarily or drink. It's around our own way of being in the world. We are addicted to ourselves, friends, and what we always do. And so um, we can learn so much, uh, you know, Scott, not just sevens, but tell us about how um, this knowing you're a seven or AA has helped you let go of what was wounding your life or anything else you want to say? Um, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not sure I understand the question. Uh, so as a seven, right, you know that you wanted to do everything, experience everything, right? And then this work of sobriety, um, even as Father Rohr would say, just letting go, even as Shauna said, I don't have to do one more thing. So what's it been like oh. for you to let go of things and find joy? Oh, okay, I, I think for me it's, it's been a, a process um, over 11 years um, where at, initially I don't want any part of that process of letting go. I, I always want to stay on the surface. I always want to be you know, happy and joyous and you know, live in large and all that. But if I'm going to be sober, I have to deal with the realities of being me. Um, if I'm going to be sober for a long period of time, I'm going to have to deal with the realities of all the pain that's inside of me, all the insecurity, all the fear, all those sort of things. So it's almost sort of forced, forced upon me. If I'm going to be sober, I have to deal with me. And that's, that's how I you know, stay in this fight, in this journey, this journey inward. That's how I'm attracted to the Enneagram, to find out what's going on with me so that I can be here and be sober. Because without any of those tools, I really can't be here and be sober at the same time. It's not possible. Doing the inward journey. Yeah, do you want to Correct. say one more thing about the inward journey? I think it's the grandest adventure of all. It's really where it's at for us sevens. You know, I mean, I still love outward adventures, absolutely. Um, but the real, the real adventure, the real joy, the, the deep, lasting joy 
is the adventure inward. Um, and that's connecting with God in there. And so when I think about um, all of us, uh, you know, as Augustine said, many of us wonder at the heights of mountains and the depths of seas, but we pass by ourselves without even noticing. Mm -hmm. And so to say that your inward journey has been the grandest adventure, because I know you have a motorcycle. (laughs) You know, so when we realize that there is this inward journey that is more grand than anything out here we can do. Um, we will find ourselves to be living in true joy. Uh, and, and so I just want to say thank you guys because we need sevens in our lives to uplift and enliven us. And we also need sevens in our lives to help sober us in the presence of reality. Mm-hmm. So let's give thanks for these sevens. And, you know, one of the things that we have loved that's happened after every one of these conversations is you see people and you say, oh, my gosh, I need to sober up or I need to I need to have a party. Either of these people can help you. Right. (laughs) So you just see the people in our midst that are the reflection of God to help us become our true selves. Because when we notice our false self-autopilot strategies, we can bring willingness and openness to the transforming power of God. Amen? Willingness and openness. And we've got to have attention and intention. So spiritual practices matter. You know what? I've read Breathing Underwater, which is um, about the 12-step program. I don't know how many times, Scott. Like probably 10 times in my life. Um, And it's not because I've ever been addicted to alcohol, but I have been addicted to my own patterns of thinking and feeling and doing. And I, I need those steps to help me on the journey. I need those steps. And so, you know, there are practices like confessing self-indulgence, realizing it's limiting to seek only the positive, making and fulfilling commitments. Let's hear it for the sevens who showed up today and didn't cancel on me because something (laughs) better came up. Learning to become more aware of others and allowing pain in uncomfortable situations. And so one seven that I worked with started to pray the prayer, a man of sorrows breathing in, acquainted with grief, breathing out. And when you realize that Jesus said for the joy, well, actually it was Paul that said it about Jesus, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. You know, there are times of pain that actually form us. And so when you love a seven, it's going to require helping them to be at peace during life's pain and help them face pains and support strategic action, whether it means that they go to AA or they meet up with another seven that can help them or help them find love and satisfaction in the present moment like Shauna, just breathe, be here, be now, do the interior journey like Scott empower them or give them space to get out of the stimulation of life and learn to appreciate the silence and solitude and help them to stop the planning of a future experience and experience what is right here, right now. So sevens want you to play and join in their fun rather than dampen it. Like like Abigail? I think we're up for that, aren't we? Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's do that. Take yourself less seriously and delight in their delight. Like Derek. Like, we're we're just all of us more serious types. We need to just lighten up and go out to lunch with them. Take victory with you. You need to have, you got to have people in your life that 
actually let you play in the shallow end. Yes. Right? Yep. Yes. Yep. So why don't we all stand for the blessing? So, Lord, we are so grateful for our seven friends. Just this joyful, adventurous optimism that they bring to our lives. So we bless them on their journey. And we pray that as we do life together with them, that uh, we would each receive the blessing um, of the life you've given us. So we speak a blessing over this day. We speak a blessing over each life in this room, the adventure that each one of us is on. We pray we'd live fully into that. We live nothing short of your full desire for our life, your full adventure. We would live into joy. So I bless my friends on this day and into this future that they live into. And we give you thanks, God, for your presence. 